You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, happy weekend, and welcome back into Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. I'm Pete Sweeney. We're going to start with the return of the editor show. Myself and John Dixon talked about the top three Kansas City Chiefs training camp battles we're watching as of now. That is what you will hear first. We'll continue on with Arrowhead Pride's Out of Structure, Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner taking your top Twitter questions. And then we'll finish up with Show and BK on the Chiefs. It's Ron the Show, Hughley, Brandon Kiley, Steven Serta discussing the possible trade target of Miami Dolphins cornerback Xavier Howard. Also, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. It remains the conversation in the AFC West. You can catch Show and BK at the 31-minute mark. But as promised, we're going back to the editor's show, the return this week, the top three training camp position battles to watch. This is Arrowhead Pride's Best of the Week. All right, let's get into some football, right? We've been talking about a lot of stuff off the field. Let's get into we're the still real speculating. football of it. Yeah, it, <laughs> this is continued speculation. The speculation special of the Airhead Pride Editor Show. The top three most intriguing training camp position battles revisited. Now, John, we went through these ourselves, and we have some tweaks, but we'll go to the top three ourselves. And, and you start us off here. What is your number three? We'll go three to one. What is your number three a training camp position battle to watch? I think linebacker. And it's not because uh, there's any doubt in my mind who the top linebackers will be. Obviously, uh, Anthony Hitchens and Nick Bolton and Willie Gay will be the three main linebackers. I mean, it's pretty obvious that those are going to be the guys. What's more interesting to me is how they will be used, which we won't won't really know until the season gets here and we see how they're used in different kinds of packages. And uh, the other thing that will be interesting to me is how it affects the other uh, linebackers on the field, you know, whether this will finally be the thing that moves Dorian O'Daniel off the team. You know, what will Ben Neiman's role be when they have – uh, Bolton and Gay on the field. And how are they going to get Bolton ready to take over for Hitchens? Uh, you know, will they sub him in a lot in situations at Mike Linebacker so they'll have that experience? Or will they be doing that uh, outside of games and hoping that he'll be fine with it when yeah. he finally takes Hitchens' place? I think the preseason will be especially big for the defensive side of the football this year mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And just seeing how comfortable some of these younger players are in those positions. I think the chiefs are really going to need to see Willie Gay and what he can do. If Ben Neiman is not going to get real reps, especially at the beginning of the season this year, how far is Willie Gay come in the off season, having a full off season, the first full off season of his career. So yeah, I, I think linebacker is an interesting battle to watch for my number three. I went with the edge position and we, 
detailed it a little bit already with the Frank Clark stuff. And that's the reason I have it here now, all of a sudden. I think there's just so much unknown. We were actually a little bit concerned about the edge position prior to all the Frank Clark stuff happening off the field where we said, well, if Chris Jones is inside a little bit more or he is outside, it's a new position, or maybe the Chiefs do keep him inside, then who becomes your other guy? Let's take Frank Clark out of it now. Now you really, I think, are pressed to put Chris Jones on the outside more. And you're dealing with players who haven't had those significant reps at the edge position really for a long time. Taco Charlton had opportunities with Dallas and it didn't work out in Dallas. He's now become more of a role player for the Chiefs and excelled at that. But he is also coming off an injury. Tim Ward is kind of an unknown. Mike Dana, you feel good about, but he's still sort of an unknown. Josh Kando apparently is a really raw project that maybe the chiefs are looking at as more of a contributor for the 2022 season. So it's a little light for me there. So I think that's where it pushes into the number three position for me, because I think you have a lot to figure out at the edge position and you could make a case other than the quarterback position and maybe the offensive line edge is as important as anything else, because if you can get pressure on the opposing quarterback, it makes it easier for the entire defense. And that's a little bit of a mystery right now for the Kansas City Chiefs, especially with, again, that that Clark situation. Well, and it's that aspect of it, which for a lot of fans uh, has signaled that the Chiefs have not handled this correctly. A lot of fans felt like they needed to emphasize defensive end that is the edge a lot more during this off season. And, you know, they're unhappy that they didn't sign Melvin Ingram or you know, one of these other free agent players that were out there. There's, there's plenty of people who feel that way. And it's for that very reason that you suggest that it's, you know, among the top two or three most important positions on a team. And there's definitely question marks here. I agree. Um, and, and, but I, I think that, the chiefs know all this. I don't think this is a surprise. No, you're right. To you're them, right. You know, and they've got something in mind that they, they think they can do. And uh, here pretty soon, we're going to find out what it is. And it's a little bit of that super bowl sway in the sense yeah. that it was mm-hmm. the one game, like it's salary cap league. Right. Right. So where you can only do so many things in the off season to improve your team. If, if you're, if you're picking and choosing, which you have to do again with the salary cap league, you say protect Patrick Mahomes because at the end of the day, we've talked about it now for years. The Chiefs are probably putting up 30 to 40 points a game, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you're going to spend on money, let's protect Patrick Mahomes. Let's make sure that he has time to get to these weapons. Let's make sure that the Chiefs can can score at will. And then if you're scoring at will, defense becomes a lot more easier because you have turned the opposing team into very much one dimensional and you could pin your ears back, chase the quarterback and and so on and so forth. And so the greatest defense, it's going to be reversibly cliche, but sometimes the greatest defense in this year's, or I should say this age's NFL is a really, really good offense. And so, yeah, maybe they didn't devote as many of their resources to the edge position, but that offense could be as good as it was in 2018. And if yeah. it is, it changes the entire game, even for the defensive side of the football. So we'll see how this plays out. All right, John, what's your number two position battle to watch? Well, I think to me it's cornerback, uh, just because, again, there's a lot of of interlocking pieces here. Uh, I thought uh, Steve Spagnolo's comments about uh, the cornerback battle the last time he spoke to us were very interesting. He, at one point he said, you know, the guy who breaks through, that is if there's a guy who breaks through <laughs> with these young players. Very careful. In. in that. Yeah. Area, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I thought that was very interesting because, uh, you know, and, and we've talked about this before. He he really puts his heart on his sleeve and he tells us what he's thinking. And I, that's something I really appreciate about Steve Spagnolo. So that says to me that they're not quite certain how this is going to play out, but they feel like they have enough talented players that they can make it work somehow. Uh, right. So I think that gives the edge to players like Charvarius Ward and Rashad Fenton and and these guys who have, have done pretty well in the system and obviously Legereus Sneed. And my personal belief is that uh, they're not going to feel okay with some of these guys like Mike Hughes and DeAndre Baker by the time the season begins. So we'll see a lot of stuff like Spagnuolo talked about in Philadelphia where you've got this guy that in some situations is a slot corner and other situations right. outside corner. I think we'll see that at the beginning of the season. And then as the season progresses or in players are injured, we'll start to see things change and we'll see more of DeAndre Baker. But, you know, it, who knows how it could play out. It could be very interesting to watch in training camp. Now, cornerback is not my number two battle to watch, but I appreciate the offering only because if you look at this roster and you look at the step chart, you have one player at the cornerback room that is locked in to hit what his position is going to be. And that's Travarius Ward on the outside. Mm, right. Yeah. So like we know that Jerry Sneed's going to play a significant role, but we don't really know what that role is. Right. Mm. And they're still figuring that out. And so that's where it becomes an interesting training camp battle to watch because I truly think, and stemming from your point about Steve Spagnuolo, this is something they're working through. How does Mike Hughes fit in the mix? How does Rashad Fenton fit in the mix? Is Legarius Sneed a guy on the outside and he's just going to focus on Sneed Island and not go into the slot where he is at one of the better positions, uh, players at the position as a slot cornerback in the NFL? If you're doing that, then suddenly you have advanced trust in someone like a Mike Hughes, like a Rashad Fenton. How does DeAndre Baker fit in that mix? Does Legarius Sneed end up staying in the slot because you're like, you know what? Baker and Ward are good on the outside. And for Charvarius Ward, who to a, to an extent is an average to an, maybe a slightly above average player for him to be the only player locked in at a certain position. Yes. That does make the battle very much intriguing for chiefs training camp. My number two position, because I love offense. I'm an offense guy, wide receiver too. I'm just curious as to who is going to be the new Sammy Watkins. I, I think the chiefs know what Demarcus Robinson is. And I think that is somebody who is a role player for this team. If someone gets injured and I think it's going to be a battle between the rookie and Cornell Powell. I think Byron Pringle is also going to be in that mix. I had mentioned Antonio Callaway as a dark horse there. Marcus Kemp before that injury, they said was playing the best football yeah. of his career. Who knows? Yeah. It yeah. could go in a lot of different ways. And I think by extension, and I've said this before, we sort of know how the rookie's going to be on the team. We know it's going to be Robinson and Hardman and Hill and Pringle. The reason I didn't mention Hardman in that, because I just don't think he fits into that size and weight. I know he's been getting some buzz as the Sammy Watkins guy, mm -hmm. but I, yeah, I'm not buying it. I'm not doing it, <laughs> whatever. But what I will say is we know those five, right? We know those yeah. five. Who's number six. Is there a number seven? We've mentioned on the podcast before. Does it mean one less running back? And then all of a sudden you have a seventh wide receiver. It's just a very, very intriguing position for the first time in a while for me uh, heading into Chiefs training camp. I think you're right. I think it's about the number six and maybe the number seven player. And it makes you wonder whether a guy like Gary Dieter 
is even going to be able to hang on to a, a job in the practice squad. Mm-hmm. But, but that brings up the thing that we've, I think, mentioned before that, you know, he is somebody that they might like to have on the practice squad specifically because of the way he practices. Right. That he can that fulfill a role that they see on other teams sometimes really well. I think it's easy for us to forget that the practice squad is first and foremost, the practice squad. These right. are guys that you need in order to run your practices the way you want to. It's not necessarily uh, about replacing guys who are injured, et cetera. Although that's certainly part of it, but, um, but it, you may, it makes you wonder uh, whether Dieter's going to have a chance to stay with the team this year because of that battle uh, for the sixth or seventh wide receiver, because there's going to be some guys they're going to want to hang on to, even if they don't make the 53. And you know what? I, I'm looking at the roster as we we speak here. Perfect time to say Joe Fortson. Now or never, yeah. man. This is it. Yeah. Because yeah. he's been this big target. And and it's, it's I think, believe his third year trying trying for this. And I know mm-hmm. that he got some yeah. buzz last offseason for, for high-pointing balls and so on. A deep position for the Chiefs where they have yeah. 15 receivers. Usually this is the running back position. This year, the clown car <laughs> is the receiver room. All right, John, you're number one position battle to watch chiefs training camp well i think it's the the number one battle everybody is watching the offensive line specifically the right side of the offensive line i thought that what ron cop and matt stagner did last week on out of structure was was great uh you know talking about what if we went all rookies on the right side of the line what if yep. we went all veterans on the right side of the line obviously that's not going to happen I don't think there's a circumstance where it's all veterans on one side or all rookies on one side, but it's a way to have that discussion and put those things in their proper context. You know, whether you want to give these rookies time early in their careers and evaluate them and know exactly what you've got when it times comes time to renew their contracts, or do you want to, uh, to do the smart thing for this season only, which is to put those veterans out there. And that's the argument that they're having internally about these players. But at the end of the day, it's still going to come down to, you know, which rookie can we fit in there and which right. rookie, you know, which position can we not afford to put a rookie? And that's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. Yeah. I know that we've been focused all off season on the right side of the line and Andy Reid admitted he, he got it there and it's rare you, you even hear this but he, he basically said there's an open battle on the right side and right. so walks into that and, and i think in that confirms orlando brown jr as your left tackle joe tooney as your left guard mm-hmm. i look at the right side i've made my points on it before i'll just reiterate really quickly the chief's language changed when it came to joe tooney potentially playing center when they drafted creed humphrey yeah. for me that inserts him in a, the center position i think of the tackle positions they're going to want veterans at least to start the year i know the yang will be a consideration for right tackle but i believe that's going to be right mike remmers once kyle long got injured with that leg injury for the entire offseason to me it opened up one position and that's how i look at it right now i could be wrong maybe someone it becomes the right tackle instead of mike remmers mike remmers was a really good right tackle for the chiefs last year so I think right guard can go so many different ways where mm-hmm. Trey Smith seems almost like the favorite with some of the buzz that you hear. Uh, Laurent Dubonnet-Tardif, who we mentioned. Uh, the Chiefs also have Austin Blythe, who has played some guard in his career. Nick Allegretti, uh, Prince Tega Wogo, yeah. Lucas Niang. You know, that wide receiver six position we talked about 10 candidates for. Right guard can go in a lot of different ways. I know it seems between the talk from Andy Heck and I said the, the buzz 
that the Chiefs would really like to put Trey Smith there. But I think that's why you are going to be happy that there's preseason games because you can really see if he's ready for that position from some of the film work that he's done with former Chiefs Jeff Schwartz. You really realize that this is a very, very, very smart young player who could be ready at the pro level yeah. almost immediately. Now we're going to get up a training camp to, to see if he is able to seize that position. And if he is, and you have a guy like LDT and who knows if Wiley and Allegretti, so on and so forth, man, the depth of this room is going to be tremendous. So good job by the chief staff. We've, we've said it yeah. so many times, just not only getting a really, really strong, big wall starting five, but the depth behind these guys, if they do get injured, is going to be rather deep once again in the blink of an eye in, in one offseason. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We're going to go back to it uh, with Twitter user The One at MadMardigan816. He's asking about the receiver room. It's a young but crowded one. Who do we think steps up as the fifth and sixth wide receiver as we get closer to training camp? Matt, what do you think about that? You know, everybody else has been asking about the third wide receiver. I respect Mad Mardigan at 816 on Twitter here asking about the fifth and sixth, getting deep down in that depth chart. You know, when you say traditionally fifth and sixth wide receiver, that normally screams who are your special teams guys in the wide receiver room that are probably not going to see the field on offense very much. And I've also heard some other people pretty definitively saying they think the Chiefs only keep five wide receivers this year, given the rest of their their depth chart. I've got them keeping six, so I think this question is appropriate. Um, Hill, McColl's going to be given every opportunity to be the second most productive. Again, he's not going to be the X receiver, but I think he's still the second most productive receiver on the charts. And then you've got Robinson, Powell, Pringle, Callaway, and then, you know, Fordson and and Dieter and Kemp and Fountain and Shepard. Like there's there's so many names uh, that that are farther down the chart and likely on the practice squad. I think if you're looking at a traditional wide receiver room where your fifth and sixth guys are your special teams stalwarts, then I'm going to say that it's Demarcus Robinson and that it's Byron Pringle and and Cornell Powell maybe scoots up the depth chart a little bit uh, because of the the prowess of those other guys on special teams. Not that Powell won't play special teams, but I I really think in some ways, I I know I've argued multiple times that these numbers don't really matter. First, second, third, fourth wide receiver, whatever. They're all wide receivers. They're going to have different roles. But I think I'm, I'm taking this question literally to be who are the special teamers from the wide receiver room and I don't think it's going to be Callaway as a special teamer. Um, I don't think McColl is going to be out there uh, playing gunner anytime soon. You know, so I think you've got those three or four guys that, that could be on the roster, but not really special teams players. But you know you can count on Robinson and Pringle and uh, as special teamers. Yeah, and I'd add Powell to that. You know, as a rookie, who will be playing special teams? But I know what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying because I – he does have, I, in my opinion, I think he 
probably has a little more juice in his routes or just a little more where you're, he actually looks like a, an explosive receiver out of his breaks and everything uh, compared to Robinson and Pringle. And so, you know, if he wasn't a fifth round rookie, you know, uh, uh, maybe you think differently about it. But you're right. Callaway doesn't play any special teams. He hasn't in his entire career. Um, he's only been a returner. But he is that sixth receiver for me, too. I got the same six you're keeping. I think Marcus Kemp, we got to we gotta always keep an, an eye out for Marcus Kemp. That guy, he has – he Dave Tope has grown an infatuation with Marcus Kemp and, and loves to, to fight for him to be on the roster. And, and I've said this before, but 2019 training camp, he did look really good as a receiver, I will say. So if he can get back any closer to that, maybe he pushes Callaway off the, the roster because they need that special team's ability out of the receivers. But they do have plenty of other special teams guys around the roster, not just receiver. That's the beauty of special teams. You can have, you know, a, a, a plethora of positions play, play the roles on, on the unit. So well, yeah, like- I'm with you, Callaway and Powell. Like it or not, Demarcus Robinson's going to get a ton of snaps again this year. I mean, he's exactly. he's going to be on the field a lot, and, and so again, I don't know how you number him in this wide receiver group, but he's going to be an important role player uh, until somebody unseats him, and and maybe it's Powell or Pringle, but uh, and maybe it's Kemp, but I I think I think the, the betting a betting man would pick Demarcus Robinson to have maybe the third most snaps at wide receiver after Hill and McColl uh, or are about equal with McColl maybe. And then, uh, you know, but is he going to be that productive? That That's, that's the thing that time will tell. I saw that there were some other follow-up questions about the receiver position, Ron, um, from Thomas Ramirez asked about Allen Robinson, not getting a deal done and, and maybe a, a potential trade target for the chiefs. Do you see any, whether it's Robinson or somebody else around the league, do you see any other wide receivers that might be able to help improve this group that the Chiefs can make a move for? You know, I think it's a little unrealistic that we talk about uh, Allen Robinson right now. I think we, it was rightfully, uh, you know, it was rightfully a topic back in free agency before he signed the franchise tag. I think that was a time when, hey, you know, they got the money. We've seen them spend money this offseason. So that could have been a possibility before he signed the franchise tag. But it's hard to see them, the trade. I mean, you know, maybe if Robinson threatens enough not to play, you know, Chicago gets back into a corner, like kind of like the Julio situation where then all of a sudden it doesn't cost as much. But I I don't see that happening, although there are some free agents out there that might be interesting to think about. Um, One guy, I I think Golden Tate actually would kind of make sense for the Chiefs as just like a role. He's kind of like Demarcus Robinson or Byron Pringle. Um, in a sense, but he's just more of a playmaker than them, and he's a vet. Um, so he is 33 years old, though. So I don't know about that. Larry Fitzgerald's out there too. He's a, he's a straight up free agent, hasn't retired yet. So you know, who knows? Uh, maybe someone like that. But no, at, when it comes down to it, I don't. It's hard to see the Chiefs adding to the receiver room at this point. Um, they have a lot of young names that they could just try out right now. I don't see them adding a veteran or anything. You know, there. It. I find it hard to compare guys like Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle to the field when it comes to NFL wide receivers that are farther down the depth chart in other places. Like how do you quantify who's better Demarcus Robinson or Golden Tate at this point in in their career, you know, and sometimes familiarity is, you know, um, makes us overvalue players. And sometimes maybe it makes us undervalue them. 
you don't really know until somebody's in the room probably uh, ha- how they would rank in this offense. I don't know that there's anybody out there that's going to you know really move the needle. D.D. Westbrook is a name that I've I've had you know yes it at least raises an eyebrow to say mm, you know that's somebody that yeah. could contribute. You know he may be a little redundant to what they already have, but he's a guy that I think can still play. I, I don't know that they go big at wide receiver in additions at this point. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Um, let's let's skip ahead to another question we have uh, from our guy, Doug. I don't want to say his Twitter name. It's a, it's a funny Twitter name, though. Uh, Raw Dog Brown. But, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I just want to skip ahead to this don't one. Say it. You just did say it. All right, go ahead. Yeah, you know, it, it, he deserves it for asking so many questions, I guess, because uh, he, he is a frequent questioner. But I just want to skip ahead to this one because, you know, I, I think – uh, we've talked, we talked about the cornerbacks a little bit, but the actual, like mapping it out in a, in a base and dime, um, just for everyone to, to remember, uh, you know, I know we've talked about this in the past, but prediction of what the starting cornerbacks will look like in base and dime. And then he had a hot take that the chiefs will have a top 10 linebacker core once gay and Bolton are both starting. Well, I'll let you, uh, you know, start with where you want to, do you want to, do you have a rebuttal to that top 10? Do you think that's a little crazy for him to say gay and Bolton? Or what do you think about that? You know, it, it's crazy. It sounds crazy at this point because they're so unproven. And the history of this Chiefs linebacking core and the way that the Chiefs staff works with linebackers has been so frustrating for fans to watch. Sometimes the players that we think are good don't get a sniff or don't don't get the snaps, you know, from the coaching staff. And, and there's not always an obvious answer for it. So the way we see it versus the way the coaches see it, so even if both of these guys are ready in our mind and, and we see flashes from them in camp, doesn't mean that both of them are even going to start. So throwing all that aside and saying in a world where the coaching staff agrees with us and these guys develop on schedule and both of them are on the field together and they're really you know, playing up to expectations, they are in the mold of where the NFL is going when it comes to linebackers. And I hate to draw this comparison, but it, it's a theoretical comparison to the Tampa Bay linebackers of, of Levante David and, and, uh, and White. Those two players can, can run, they can hit, you know, they can cover, and they're a, a different breed. And they really caused the Chiefs a tremendous amount of problems in the Super Bowl. So – can Gay and Bolton be the Chiefs version of that? Yeah, yeah. See, that's the thing. I, I actually think that's a. I know you. It is a. It is a kind of a silly comparison, right? Or, or you know, an, a stretch comparison. But I do. There's a base to it, and 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 the, there's a foundation to it in, in the sense that Levante David is an athletic linebacker, but he isn't known for just being you know super fast, super speedy like his counterpart Devin White. He's just really smart and a really good run defender and, and, and can excel in coverage as well, just being an intelligent player. That's who you hope Nick Bolton can turn out to be. Devin White, like I kind of mentioned, is that speedy playmaker type that's going to be blitzing a lot, that's going to be, you know, a guy that they don't, you know, put in man-on-man coverage, but, you know, put in, in, in coverage situations where, you know, he uses athleticism to take stuff away in the flat and all that kind of thing. That's where Willie Gay would you would assume would kind of mix in. So it is kind of fun, you know. It is kind of that two that duo. They kind of complement each other. They kind of you know have the you know each other's strengths and weaknesses kind of taken care of. 
that sort of thing. So in that sense, yeah, I, I, I do think there's legis, logistical or <laughs> logistical, legitimate reason to kind of, you know, maybe top 10 is but you were there's, saying, a lot of teams, there's a lot of teams in the NFL. Top 10 isn't that crazy. You know, when, when you get to number 10, I mean, that's a lot of teams ahead of you still. I didn't know you were saying logistical there or, or, or legitimate, but uh, yeah. I'm just making up words. I like it. Top 10 shouldn't be that much of a stretch. I, I, I tend to agree with you there. I think there's, it still feels like a long shot because we haven't seen them on the field together. We've barely seen them on the field at all when, you, when it talks to, to uh, Gay's role last year. It's been so limited. It feels like a foreign concept. Let's maybe wait until we see them all on the field together before we, we put them in the, in the hall of very good. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's certainly something to watch, and it would be very exciting to see those guys on the field. I mean, I'd still love to see Dorian O'Daniel as the dime linebacker. You know, again, that's right. the difference between the fan point of view and the, and the coaching staff point of view. Well, speaking of dime, I do want to answer his question on the what the starting dime would look like or in the base, too. So just real quick, we'll go through it. So the base, in my opinion, would be Snead and Ward on the, on the outside. You have your three linebackers, and then the safeties would be Thornhill and Matthew. When we go to dime, which means there's six defensive backs on the field, usually that means there's one linebacker, which has been Neiman in the past. Hopefully it's Willie Gay this year. It could even be Nick Bolton, um, you know, just for his intelligence, but – We'll see. We don't know. But at that one linebacker, plus usually Sorensen is a box safety. If they do go six DBs in terms of four cornerbacks, I would think that fourth corner, there's going to be Ward and Snead obviously out there. I think Rashad Fenton is that other slot you can trust in the slot besides Snead and Matthew. He's that third guy I think you can trust in the slot. And then, like we mentioned, Baker Hughes, uh, you know, I, whoever gets the, the, you know, the advantage over those two in training camp, I think. One of them will emerge as that fourth corner, and then in dime, they would be the outside cornerback if they needed two slots in Snead and Fenton. One of those guys would be the outside. So they got room to work around, and there's a lot of versatile pieces in, in the defensive backfield this year. It really seems like that's the way that it's going to go with Snead is he's going to be outside to start off with, and he'll slide into the slot or in, inside whenever they go to these, these, more, these lighter sets. Well, let's squeeze in one final question here, Ron, from – from our buddy Matrick Pahomes, uh, not a Chiefs fan. If you could replace one Chiefs draft pick with someone who was picked later, who would that be and why? I'm going to assume that this is a 2021 draft pick, so not a uh, not previous years. So uh, give me one replacement for a Chiefs draft pick this year. So I like the pick that was made for sure. I, I don't want to, you know, it's, it's nothing on this guy. They did sign Austin Blythe this offseason, so that's someone who could play center if Creed Humphrey wasn't drafted. And so in place of Creed Humphrey, let's get Tommy Tremble in here. I, I know Noah Gray has got us all excited, but when we talk about that fullback tight end hybrid that Noah Gray can play, shoot, I think Tremble would even be an easier fit to fit into that kind of hybrid role because of how good of a blocker he was. He could just be a straight-up fullback. You don't need your Burton. He could just be the guy that is your fullback. And then, you know, maybe he's not as as in-depth as a receiver, you know, in terms of, you know, being able to run routes well and 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 being like a Travis Kelsey type. The, the coaching staff wasn't going to say it about Tremble instead of Gray. But I just I, – I think I like Tremble's ability as a blocker. And then, you know, he'll learn, he'll learn you know, more pass-catching abilities. It's not like he couldn't do it at all. And I'd, I'd just like to see that, you know, over over the Creed Humphrey pick. 
What about you? Creed Humphrey slander will not be accepted. Uh, you heard the preface. Come on. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a decent idea. Um, I, I may have to go with a two for one here uh, just to cheat a little bit. I would replace Nick Bolton with Boogie Basham, which would give, would give the Chiefs a really good fit at defensive end and edge position that could get on the field maybe a little quicker than Joshua Kando. So then, you know, this is the problem with these uh, uh, these replacement projections. Once I take out uh, Joshua Kando and, and put in Boogie Basham, then, you know, who, who do the Chiefs take at the end of round four? Of course. Um, or in, in, in place of Joshua Kando. You know, I think at that point in the draft, it is a little bit of a crapshoot. You know, you're looking at, at the talent available, uh, and the Chiefs have done pretty well in the fourth and fifth round in the past. Maybe they come back and get a um, – they could get another offensive lineman. They, you know, they could get another tight end. Um, Noah Gray was really the next, you know, pick for the Chiefs, but maybe Brevin Jordan at the top of that round would be an interesting receiving option at tight end. So, yeah, once you start changing one draft pick, it ends up changing the entire draft for me. But I really would have liked to have seen Boogie Basham there instead of Nick Bolton. It would have given us a lot more cover at that edge position, especially given the events that have transpired since the draft. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, why don't you look? Cornerback is a position of help that can improve for the Chiefs. And Xavier Howard, who I believe led the league in interceptions last year, one of the best young cornerbacks in football, and just really one of the best cornerbacks in football, an outside cornerback is potentially going to be available with the Miami Dolphins. And when I see that, that's why I was saying to you, hold your horses. If you can make somebody like that work. You remember I threw out the name Bradley Roby. Well, this is even better than that if you could like if it, they should seriously take a look at that if 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 if, if Xavier Howard is available that right there with what the Chiefs their expectation is or what their goal is is to win a Super Bowl if they could have made Julio work they need to look at this and try to make this thing work I well I love that's a perfect fit a perfect matchup for the Chiefs Xavier Howard's really good he would make the Chiefs significantly better. The problem is right now he's unhappy in Miami, not because like Miami's a bad team or anything like that. He's in a bad situation. He's in a great situation. He just wants more money. And as much as he wants out, it's going to be a really tough decision for the Dolphins to decide to trade him because if they have him on the roster this year, they pay him $13.5 million. If they don't have him on the roster this year, he accounts for $16.2 million against their cap. That's a lot of money, Ron. Um, that's just a that's going to be a tight thing for them to be able to make work trade wise. Um, that being said, 
if you were to be traded, if they were able to make it work on their cap sheet, he makes a lot of sense for the Chiefs in a vacuum. Are you going to be willing to pay him what he's going to be worth, though? Because he's going to be looking for Marlon Humphrey type of money, which is five years and $97 million right under that $20 million salary that Jalen Ramsey's getting. Are you willing to do that for a corner? Are you willing to pay another defensive player $20 million per year? And this is one of the reasons why I was so invested and so interested in getting Julio Jones on the Chiefs. It's because he makes $15.3 million this year. And then if it doesn't work out for whatever reason, you can walk away from it scot-free. You can't do that with Xavier Howard. If you trade for him and then re-sign him, he's going to be on the Chiefs for at least the next four years. This is going to be a Frank Clark type of a deal. You're giving up a first-round pick plus to be able to go get that guy and for the right to go pay him as well. Now, listen, I, I think everything that you're saying there makes really good sense. And it's a really, really a much better argument that I have about Xavier Howard. I will admit that. All right, that, that makes a lot of sense. And when you say it, it does get you to the point to think that the Chiefs won't do it, that the Chiefs won't give up picks and pay. Now, my thought is if you get Frank's ass up out of here, after a year, and maybe in some way you're able to play with that contract to give you some relief, um, and and that is something that you could you could think through. But I just maybe Xavier Howard isn't the exact perfect fit in terms of he is on the field, but perfect fit in terms of the money and what you'd have to give up. But that that vein continue to look in that direction of trying to improve th- that that position. Now, if you can make it work, listen. Brett Veach is a wizard, right? Brett Veach and, and Andy and all of them and his team they've been a wizard to be able to convince people to do things and to take to take uh, restructures of their contract to be able to make everyone fit. I, I'd I'd like to see them looking at to see if they can do that, but. For what it's worth, Ron, just on that part, they can make it work. If the Chiefs wanted to make this deal and they wanted to re-sign Xavier, uh, Xavier and Howard, they could do it. It's just a matter of what that would mean for you in the future. Like If you're getting Howard, you're giving up somewhere else. You, you have to give to get. And so maybe that is as simple as they were already going to, after this season, decide to cut Frank Clark. And now this just makes it that much easier. And it's one for one, basically, on the salary sheet. You, you could make that work. It just means that you have to give up somebody else. By the way, to clarify one thing, I, I misstated something. I, I was looking at the contract wrong. Xavier uh, Howard can be traded pretty easily. It's the cutting part that would be a problem for them. So if the the Dolphins did want to trade him, they could make it work money wise. Yeah, I, yeah. He just he's such a fit, and that's just more important than than to me a receiver uh, in terms of what the Chiefs actually need because that that to me is. I still think they can win when you have Mahomes and Andy and that offense. I I still think they can win. They won a Super Bowl with Rashad Breeland and, and the rest of crew and Charvarius Ward and Fenton as your third corner at times. They won a Super Bowl like that. Uh, but to really feel good, I, I feel like that is a a position that, that can help. And maybe the money and fit I – I just think it's the, I think it's the picks. What would that have to be? How would that have to be? Because you've already given up picks. We know you're going to re-sign Orlando Brown. I mean, we know that's going to happen. We know there's going to be money allocated there. You wouldn't have given up what you gave up to get him. And plus, you need a left tackle to protect your quarterback. But that position there, that cornerback position, 
It is hard. I just I just want them to to look at it to see if it's doable. Because if it's doable, I, the, the league has shown you can get up you can get up under out of contracts that I didn't think you could get out of. I still didn't know that you could get out of Eric Berry as well as they were able to get out of. So contracts mm-hmm. contracts these guys if they can make it work if they can pull something off, uh, I I would at least hope they would look at that because he would change. Uh, the way that team is, that defense looks. Uh, I I mean, they were still paying Eric Berry for like a couple years after after they cut him. Um, but the reason why it doesn't necessarily make sense for me, and I I think Davian Howard is an exceptional player. I think he's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And the Dolphins screwed up by making him the highest paid corner, and then immediately giving Byron Jones a bigger contract, which is why he wants more money now. Uh, but that's just the way the market went. Uh, it, it just goes against what the Chiefs have done so far under Brett Veach and the way that they've made it work. I think that they legitimately believe that Legarius Sneed can be a star player. And so I think that they're banking on that. Now, if that doesn't work out, yes, you're in trouble. But even letting Frank Clark go, you've got Tyreek Hill needs more money. Chris Jones is going to get more expensive. Patrick Mahomes affordable contract only gets more expensive and you know you can you can you can move money around like the Patriots did for Brady and forever and you know it seems like Patrick Mahomes is totally down to do that and maybe Travis Kelsey's fine with being underpaid for his entire career I just don't see them spending one moving assets which they've already done a lot of anyways and, and don't really have a ton of to begin with to capitalize on this particular window, because I don't know that he helps you right now. Yes, he helps you right now in the immediate future, but for the long-term plan, like, you're going to pay him, you're going to pay Orlando Brown, you're going to lose other guys by paying those guys, and they've succeeded without paying cornerbacks so far. The other thing is, I don't think that their defensive coordinator values corner. Like, I, I just think Steve Spagnuolo, his history is as a defensive backs coach, and I think he believes he can make his defense work despite what he has at corner. I think he values what guys can do in the middle of the field. He values defensive line. He values safeties that can cover. He values the versatile piece like Tyron Matthew. What evidence at any point in his history has he shown us that he values in any sort of significant way cornerbacks? Because when he was the defensive co- or that yeah, the defense coordinator for the Giants in the first time around. We can all name a bunch of defenders on that team. They didn't have great corners. Like when he went to the Rams, not like he valued corner all that highly. He had Janoris Jenkins, but other than that, it wasn't like they had a bunch of dudes out there. I just don't think he values the position. And I think that's something that we sometimes lose sight of because we value it. I think Steve Spagnolo believes in his ability to get the most out of those guys. And so he doesn't value it the same way that we do. Yeah, I, th- I think you guys ultimately very, may very well be right that the Chiefs actually won't take a look at this uh, it, it, and actually pull the trigger on a move like that with a lot of the points you made. I, I just I just think you got to look at it. I think you got to at least take a look at it and see what it works. I know he doesn't value it or he hasn't shown to really value it. I can't think of what, what was happening when he was with the Eagles and working in uh, those times there, but. Uh, I I just I know he's a good coach, 
and I know he could find a way to make it work if he had, or to figure out a way he could use a corner uh, of the talents of Xavion Howard. I feel like he could find a way to use that if he were given that. But but overall, I, I, I this hasn't been their their track record of of going at that position and continue to trade more assets like they have. So you guys are probably right. I just hope they take a look at this and, and, and just see what they could do. And potentially somewhere down the line, that position gets, gets maybe looked at. I still would rather have Julio Jones at his price than Xavier Howard at his. Yeah. Of course, without a doubt. Yeah, I wouldn't. Xavier Howard to me, I don't care what Steve values. Specnola to me that 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 would change. You roll your eyes at me like that one more time, Steve. <laughs> and I'm going to take you out. What's he going to be, Darrell Revis? Yeah, right. Last season was the best season of his career. Let me let me put it a different way. I think the upgrade that the Chiefs would get at number two wide receiver to Julio Jones would be more significant than the upgrade that they would get at number two cornerback to Xavier Howard. And that's not to belittle what Xavier Howard is. He's a tremendous football player. I just that that is how I value their receivers right now compared to their corners. Well, yeah, I think they would get a number one corner. I think that's like to be. I don't. I don't. I think they would then finally have a number one type corner. And they now got you're one. T- you just don't believe. Yeah, he's an imposter right yeah, now. Yeah, you think he's an imposter? Well, yeah, I do, as he is right now. Speaking of that, the game that's sweeping the nation, certified or imposter, this <laughs> week, I didn't know where I was going to go. I really didn't until my man, my guy, Mr. Oakley's, Mr. Coors Light, Mr. Adidas, Pat Mahomes himself came out and let us all know exactly how it feels about Justin Herbert and the L.A. Chargers. And he said it himself in so many words that they are how I believe imposters. What did he say? I'll see it when I believe it. Actually, I believe he said I believe it when I see it. But he was a little, he had a little, he had a couple of pops in it, I believe. But he said, I'll see it when I believe it. Because he believes that the Chargers and Justin Herbert are imposters. It is clear I don't care what statement he made afterwards. He does not respect Justin Herbert. He does it, and I'm fine with it, and I'm here for it, Pat. Oh no, when you were a little, when you had a few drinks, and you told the truth, and you was calm, you was calm and comfortable at that at that golf tournament. That was the real. That was the real. Not this. Oh, I totally respect Justin Herbert. No, he believes it. Imposter this week. Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Thanks, Pat. How did you feel about the Cleveland Browns after their 2019 season? Lovely. Like they're the second best team in the AFC? Oh, God. Not, not after last year, after 2019, when Freddie Kitchens had just been their head coach and they went 6-10. and 10. Yeah, I bad, was, bad. I, I felt I bad. Thought was, I thought it was a talented, talented team um, with, some, with some parts that didn't seem to work together. How did you feel about them after last year? they're coming right took great steps took great like they're gonna be in the afc title game against the chiefs yeah good football team we're gonna feel the same way about the chargers after this year the chargers are about to take the step this year that the browns took last year um the browns last year what they did is they built in the smart way they had devalued their offensive line they had not put enough emphasis in getting the right coach into place and they had a great pass rush to go along with a revamped defensive backfield 
I just basically described the LA Chargers of 2021. And the biggest difference, the Chargers have a quarterback. Like the, the Browns have Baker, who's fine. I think he's a, a really good game manager. And I don't say that to belittle him. I, th- I think that's kind of what he is. I think he's a really good game manager. He's Kirk Cousins at best. Yeah, ma- maybe a little better. I think you could get a little bit more out of him because I don't think he has the same issues with turnovers that uh, Cousins has. But Justin Herbert can make plays. And that's the big difference is the reason why in the future, I think the Chargers have more ability to be a legit like threat to the Chiefs. And when I say that, I don't mean like they're going to take them down, but a team that you actually enjoy going up against year by year is because they've got the quarterback right. They've got the right quarterback in place, and I think they got the right coach in place this year with Brandon Staley. So I look at them this year the way I looked at the Browns going into last season. I don't think they're a Super Bowl threat, but they're absolutely a team that could win 10, maybe 11 games. I'm with Pat. I believe it when I see it. Listen, they are a talented team. They really are. Uh, defensively, they're two best players to me. I, I, there's a countdown. Uh, they're going to get injured. Uh, that's, I mean, just if I go by evidence of what I've seen before, Derwin James, who is, I think, very, very talented. I just feel like I haven't seen him play in two years. Yeah. Like, when does he get hurt? Joey Bosa always has a leg injury of some sorts. Um, and, and so we'll see. With those two guys, if you get 17 weeks out of those guys, you got something potentially because those are, are game-changing guys. We'll see how they are health-wise. Um, I, I, I want to – one, I want to see how he goes now in a new system with a new offensive coach, leaving the staff that he had. Um, and then Herbert. Also, yeah, Herbert. I, I want to see that, see how he adapts to that. And then second for me, man, I, I don't view him like Mahomes or, or Rodgers. Like when we first saw those guys, it was a feel of, yeah – yeah, I don't need to see another year from those guys. I don't need to see the league adjust to their talent because I've seen enough to believe those guys uh, those guys are still going to be able to be dominant like they were or really good like they are. For me, I don't get that feel from Justin Herbert. Like to me, like just like I said last year, I said, man, I think Lamar is going to take a step back. When Lamar and the league has now – 20 plus game tape of film on him they're going to change up the way that they defend him and, and and I don't think he's going to have it as easy as he did in his MVP season and he took a step back I feel that way about Herbert too I I, I want to see how the league adjusts to him and how they start attacking him and how defenses attack him this year after seeing him last year that that's the feel. I I need to see it again. I'm just not completely sold after a very a much better year than I thought he was. Like to me, I I thought he was going to be the one that would struggle coming out of college. But I mean, he looked so much better than Tua, and I think even Burrow, obviously. But I, I want to see another year. I think people might hear this and they're going to be like, "Really? What?" No. I think he's Andrew Luck. Like I, I don't I don't think he has the same kind of. I don't know, actually. Mental capacity as Andrew Luck. I think Andrew Luck's one of the brightest quarterbacks we've seen in the last 20 years. But in terms of their skill set, their size, their speed, all of that stuff, I think he's basically Andrew Luck. And if you look at what he did in terms of the overall success that he had as a rookie, 
He actually had a better rookie year than Andrew Luck had with the Colts, and the issue was the same as what Andrew Luck had with the Colts. Neither of them had an offensive line. Now, the weapons were a little better, certainly, for what Justin Herbert was working with last year than what Luck had to work with, but I, I think that's what he is. And Luck went 11-5 and five each of his first three seasons, despite what was around him. I think that's what we're about to see from Justin Herbert. I think moving forward, that's the type of player that he's going to be. Well, and I, I think that's exciting as a Chiefs fan, by the way, having somebody like that inside of the division. Well, and this isn't necessarily like a, a fair question because I think the Chiefs were obviously a better team when Mahomes inherited them than when Justin Herbert was drafted by the Chargers. But like if Mahomes had a true rookie year that was similar or less than Justin Herbert's because Justin Herbert broke records. Would you have had the same questions about Mahomes going into year number two? Because I'm sold on Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert is a superstar quarterback. And I think that I think that San Diego missed their window with that defense a little bit. Derwin James, if he's healthy, is a superstar player. Obviously, Melvin Ingram not there anymore. I think Joey Bosa is kind of on the downward turn, too, at this point. And so I, I think their defense is going to have to go through a little bit of a rebuild. But Justin Herbert's a really, really good player. Would you have that question about Patrick Mahomes if it was in the same circumstance? No, yeah, Justin is a good player. And, and I would say I don't think that question would be there because I don't buy – listen, I'm, I'm sorry. Some people may disagree. I'm not going to say there was no help from it. I don't buy into the hype as much of the year that he set and what Alex Smith did for him. I think when Patrick Mahomes, whenever he started playing, we were going to see this dude. Like, I mean, when he came in in the pre, I remember the preseason game against the Titans where they let him go. The Falcons, clear. remember that one? Yeah. To, yes. That, but the one, the one, his rookie, his rookie year, he, he got most of the time against the, the Titans. Like, and, and I remember he'd made a throw at Marcus Peters on the sideline. Like, what the hell? And they went off. Cause I remember coming to the air, uh, the, to the place for, you know, I got fired. I remember coming to the air and saying, Hey, this dude is better than Alex Smith. Like this, 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 this dude is like, this dude can do things Alex clearly can't do. And then his first start against Denver, once again, this dude is like right off the bat. So I don't think it's fair without, with, with Pat, because I think Pat was going to show us this dude anyway. Like, I don't, I, I think we were going to see that Justin Herbert. He just doesn't have the, the, the skill set the complete skill set that Pat does, because who does? So I, yeah, He's I, I, not I, transcendent. Like, Justin no. Herbert's just a really good quarterback, and I, I think that's the difference. I hear what you're saying. Like, I, I think I'm Aaron Rodgers... comparison of Pat. Like, yeah, I think that's totally fair. I, I think Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, like, they are transcendent talents. Justin Herbert is a great quarterback. Kind of, and I felt that way whenever I first started watching uh, Andrew Luck. I didn't... When you watched him on the field... You didn't have the same transcendent feel that you had with Aaron Rodgers or with Patrick Mahomes. He was great, don't get me wrong, and he's huge, and he had a cannon of an arm and all of those different things. That's Justin Herbert. When you watch him, it just it, it looks really nice, but it doesn't look unlike anything you've ever seen before the way that it does with Mahomes and with um, with Aaron Rodgers. So I when when I saw him the first time against the Chiefs when he had that first start where the Chargers training staff 
poked their starting quarterback in the chest and, you know, crushed him. Um, that That's when I felt this way for the first time. I was like, oh, this guy's legit. When he took them down on that first drive and they scored, that's when I had a feeling, oh, this is going to be a little different. Yeah, he's a he's a good quarterback, and I, I just want to see the year. I, I just don't get the feel like, oh, it doesn't it doesn't matter what defenses do. When when Mahomes after one year it didn't matter what defenses did, they're gonna have some adjustments. They might try to take away deep stuff, but he's a guy that's gonna make it, it gonna gonna make it happen. We'll we'll see with her. So you two are both just there's no real concern with you about year two and how he re, how he reacts to the NFL and defenses having real tape on what they can do to him. no no thought to that at all. I think if they build the right way, the Chargers have the best chance of any AFC team now that Deshaun Watson is going through all this stuff and self-inflicted. But now that he's kind of off to the side for a moment, I think they have the best chance to be that team that goes head-to-head against the Chiefs consistently. 